I th- honestly, I recommend doing it because the idea of running around this mountain is appealing. Now, for us mere mortals, mm, you are not going to be running it. No. You have to be a very efficient hiker, which I am not. That's right. So therefore, you can get it done. When I first heard that a thousand people did not finish, I, I, I can't That's imagine because it takes you so long to get there. Mm-hmm. And the only way for me to not finish was that they had to rip the bib out of my cold, dead hands. <laughs> Welcome to the Gotta Run Racing Podcast with your hosts, Norman and Jody. Discover the inspiring stories of the average and not-so-average runners. And they're off. Hey, everybody. We're back with another Gotta Run Racing Podcast. Yes, indeed we are. We did not leave you. We took a little break there to recover <laughs> from our UTMB experience, but this is going to be the UTMB recap. Let's do it. So tell me, Norm, why this race? <laughs> why this race? Well, I kept saying on our podcast that it took me seven years to get there, but in fact, it took me a lot longer. Why is that? Because I read about this race about 15 years ago in a magazine. And I never even heard about Mont Blanc before. No. But the idea of running through three countries, France, Italy, Switzerland, was interesting, to say the least. So I remember when I was doing a race in Collingwood, not thinking anything of it. It was a 50-miler, and I was chatting with someone during the race, and I, he was from the States, and I asked him, why'd you come all the way from the States to do this race? He mm-hmm. says, because it gets you points to UTMB. I, th- I thought, you're kidding me. I'm going to actually get points to UTMB after finishing this race? He goes, yeah, you get about four points. And that's when it started for me. For, that was 2014. 2014. And back then, you had to get, what, 15 points? 15 points, yeah, back then. Which I think was easier because... They had a lot of different qualifiers, right? Versus the stones. Yeah, I I don't know what's easier was with the difference of back how it was then or how it is now. But nevertheless, that's when my journey to UTMB started, which was before Western States journey. Right. 2014. Right. So nevertheless, after I finished the Collingwood race, the North Face Endurance, that's what it was, the North mm-hmm. Face, mm-hmm. four points, I went home and went online. To say, okay, wow, so what other races, what do I need to get to UTMB now? And that year, I was also also doing Leadville. Right. And then Leadville was more points that I needed to get to UTMB, and it was also a Western States ticket. Right. So therefore, that's when I started to only search for races that get me both points and ticket. Right. And that's the strategy that I recommend anyone who's trying to get into either one is to just... Kill two birds with one stone. Basically. And some of them are even hard rock. Yes. Right? If you want to do that. Yeah. So then therefore, after Leadville, I did to get my more points was Cruel Jewel. And then I remember putting my name in the hat for... I think I got my points and then I put my name in the hat for UTMB... For 2014 and 2015 and did not get picked, either one. And I remember in 2016, I had to make a decision that I was injured and I could only do one race. And so I had to figure, well, 
am I going to stick to UTMB with points or do I go for Western for tickets? And I made a decision to go for the Western States and drop UTMB because it's harder to get into Western States. Yes, for sure it is. So therefore, that's when I started, that's when I did Rio de Largo, which got me a ticket to Western. And of course, I didn't get into Western again. But then in 2017, I had to start my journey to UTMB all over again. And which I did the three races in four months to get me back all my points to put my name back in the hat. And that was the Zion Bryce and Black Spurs. So. And you still didn't get in. Still didn't get in. And then 2018, uh, I still didn't get into Western again. And the points stay on for a certain amount of time? No. And they drop off? Yeah. The last one drops. So you have to constantly try to maintain right. 10 points or 15 points. Over the time, the years, the point system changed mm-hmm. from 15 to 10 to stones. I think 17 is also when I realized that I was getting points as well. Yeah. Because I did the Zion 50. Right. right. Which got me some. And then we did, you did the Scenic with scenic, me in 2018. which got me more. And Mozart which, in 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So therefore. We both put our names in in 2020. Me for OCC, you for UTMB. And, we, and well, we got accepted for 2020. And we got accepted. For 2020. Right. And that's when the world shuts down. Right. So therefore, <laughs> I was able to call or keep my... Uh, deferral to 2023. Well, if, okay, here's if, where the controversy starts. Right. Here's their deferral. <laughs> okay, first of all, they kept 75% of our money. They canceled the race in May, normally takes place in August. We're race directors, we understand money's been spent, blah, blah, blah. Keep 75% of the money, but they're throwing us a bone saying, but you can defer... Up to 2023. Up to three years, yes. Right. Great. So I thought, okay, I'm in. Yeah. No problem. No problem. And then I don't even think we looked at it in 21 because we still couldn't travel. No. So we thought, well, it's not happening in 21. And then we got wise to the fact that, oh, wait a minute, you're deferred. However, you still need your qualifier, which means you still have to go do a race to get points. Just to maintain your points. I was like, whoa, that, that's not exactly deferral. That's no, it's me still n- having to get my points. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, where are we going in 21 to get points? Nowhere. Nowhere. So that meant you had to do it in 2022. Yes. I'd already washed my hands of the whole business. I thought, there's no way I'm spending money on another race to do points specifically, then spending money again on the entry fee. Let's just focus on your journey I don't need to do this race that badly. Plus, it scared the crap out of me, let's be honest. <laughs> so, luckily for you, Western got you points. I got into Western, luckily, and I was able to do it in 2022 in order for me to qualify for my deferral for 2023. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yippee. So, yahoo, I finally got into U10B after reading about it in a magazine 15 years ago. <laughs> and, Yep. And that's when we decided that we were going to go early and get some training in and all Yeah, I started that. my training a week before the race by, <laughs> by climbing the Alps. Yeah. Right. Well, your training did not go to plan, obviously. You had quite a few hiccups along the way. Well, it's, training's training and it happens to everybody. But nevertheless, I got to the start line. So, so you began training 
When? After Western, basically. As soon as you rested and recovered from Western last June. Yeah. In I 2022. Was, I was in UTMB mode. Yeah. Yeah. Basically last winter. Yeah. And things were going well. Yeah. Until they weren't. Well, that's that's the way my body is nowadays. Uh, my hips don't lie. <laughs> Your hips don't like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you even get up to 100K weeks? No. No, you no. didn't. No. And you were doing the majority of your training on a treadmill? Treadmill, incline with a weighted vest. Yeah. And that's it. And how many meters of elevation is this race? 10,000. <laughs> 10,000, 10, which I have no concept of. No, we have no idea of what that really means at no. the end of the day. So no idea. So the fact that you got yourself to this start line is a feat. Yeah, that was the step one, start line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about that. First of all, how about the packing that we had to do for this race because of your mandatory gear list? Yeah. Mamma mia. Mandatory gear for regular or hot or cold weather, depending. They tell you the day before if you need extra stuff. Right. And, and leading in, there was snow and rain yeah. and heat. Yeah. So it was going to be, chances it are it was one, one or the other. And you had to carry it. It wasn't like you just had to show proof of it. No, no, no. No, no you, you carry the whole you thing. You had to carry it. And I knew that going in that my that pack alone would be about 10 pounds. So my training did consist of me losing 10 pounds <laughs> in order for me to maintain the same weight. Well, and I'm sure you were comfortable carrying yeah. <laughs> weight because you were doing so many training runs with your vest. That's right. Yeah. All right. So we got to Chamonix. A week before the race? Yep. Exactly a week. And the place was a buzzin'. The place was buzzing. It they was were... so cool to be in this tiny town full of endurance athletes. Yeah. Everywhere you looked, there was beautiful legs to be seen. And because we're there a week before, we saw the expo being built. That's right. It was really cool, actually, seeing How that. they do that. Yeah. It's amazing. It's very efficient. It's like these little log cabins. Yep, and we scouted the area of where, uh, how the run was going to take place with the, the bridge, the, the... Oh, the final staircase. The staircase yes. over the, the, the road there. That's right. Yeah. And then quickly got online to see where all the exciting things were going to happen during the week because, of course, every brand under the sun is there. And they host shakeout runs or yoga sessions or nutrition talks. And there's always prizes and giveaways, so we quickly filled our agenda that week with things to see, although you were kind of hesitant because you didn't want to leave the... I didn't want to leave, but when I saw condo. our friends come back with uh, all these goodie bags, I said, that's it, I'm out of here. <laughs> so I, we, I lined up for two hours to get a pair of Adidas. <laughs> Tarek shoes, yeah. That was worth it, though. It was. It was so worth it. <laughs> and the winners, some of the winners wore those shoes, so two hours was worth it. Yeah. But the expo was a little odd, I have to say. Right, um, so the expo where the actual Hoka tent mm -hmm. to buy your stuff, you're looking at a $20 coffee mug. Oh, well, not to mention the merchandise, official merchandise tent. I think that's, that's what you're what talking I mean. about. Yeah. The official merchandise tent had Iron Man all over it, basically. You name it, they put UTMB on a piece of swag and then charged you triple the price for it. They had shirts, hoodies, support crew stuff, 
mugs, hats, <laughs> socks, everything. Yeah. So bring your credit card. Oh, big time. <laughs> big big time. time. Yeah. Very expensive, especially when you add 35% mm-hmm. on the dollar for us Canadians. But hey. That's the way. That's the way it is. It's, it's business. It's business. big business now. This yeah. this event is big business. Now, it was raining for four days before UTMB started our, my race. And cold. But we saw the PTL take off. On Monday morning, yes. Yeah. So PTL is the Petit Tour Lyon. Yep. <laughs> Named after the guy that we pretty much uh, barged in on having his lunch in the Champé-Lac. During our Run the Alps. Which you can hear on that episode of the last day, I think. Yep, of our pod, of our last podcast. But PTL is 300K, two or three person team. So these poor bastards <laughs> are standing in the start line in the pouring rain. I think it was 12 degrees. Yeah. And they're heading out for 300 kilometers, which for most of them would take five days. Yeah. Yeah. So we felt really bad for them, but they all looked excited. They're troopers. They actually bolted off like a 5K race. They did. I don't know why. You're yeah. doing 300K. Excitement. But <laughs> well, the streets were lined with people cheering. So. Okay. That was fun. All right. So now let's get down to UTMB. Right. It's Friday night. Yeah. Friday night to start. That's interesting. <laughs> you don't know what to do in the day. No. What do you eat? When do you sleep? Well, I, I slept okay. I was actually okay. Yeah, you were, but you you, guys, you'd been up for several hours, yeah. right? So let's talk about the atmosphere, how many people were there. You see it all on YouTube all the time, that this is jammed, packed. And it's very, what you see on TV looks huge. That street is small. It's very small. You'd be, if you actually go, you'd be surprised how small this is. It's the church yep. and, the, and the gantry. Mm-hmm. How do we fit all these people here? Over 2,400 people that's, for, just for you. That's just the, ra- the racers. What about mm-hmm. the families? Yeah, there? exactly. Exactly. Well, the town, I think, is population 4,000. But the Chamonix week, it's got to be close to 30. Mm. It's got to be. Well, I was at the very back where my back was literally touching the church. Wow. So, because I wanted to be up on the stairs looking down. Yes. And of course, they start with the clap. Slow clap. And it gets a little bit faster and a little bit faster. I'm sorry I missed that (laughs) because we decided we wanted to be further down on the route so that we could high five you. Yeah. But I'll watch it on YouTube. And then the music, the iconic oh, music. Oh, my God. Yes. When I heard that on, was it PTL Day they played it? Yeah. I think I started already crying. Every yeah. time I heard it, I started crying. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, the, the fact that they have this music is perfect for this race. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. But I was looking around during this music, and I was looking in the faces <laughs> of the runners who were about to partake they, they, they had fear in their eyes. I'm sure. And eyes did I. Of course. Because, <laughs> because you could see Mont Blanc right in front of you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this mountain is always in your vision. Yeah, you could always <laughs> see it no matter where you go. And when we finally started off, it was like in the movies where you're, we're going off to war. Yeah. Where the town... Is saying goodbye. Saying goodbye, and you don't know if you ever see them again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like those old movies. Yeah, it was. Um, it was that was the feeling I got. Where 
I'm going off to battle. I'm going to battle this mountain or battle myself. <laughs> it was amazing. Well, you weren't kidding when you said that you started at the back because it took you nine minutes to get to us from the time we saw the first runners. Yeah. Nine minutes. Well, you know what? I didn't even know that the gun went off. Oh, you probably didn't even hear it. No, right? because I all of a sudden going, I think I better start moving forward. <laughs> so <laughs> I did. And then all of a sudden, oh my God, I was underneath the arch, the arch of the UTMB arch. And I, I looked up going, this is it. I'm 15 years, pretty much journey of reading this in the, in the magazine. And here I am actually Do running this thing. Pinch me, eh? So it was interesting. The first 10K, the, the entire street, 10K was lined. Really? Lined. Wow. And 10K from the actual town of Chamonix, you're looking at little houses along the way and farms. and Like it got less townish. Townish, yeah. yeah, but, yeah. They're, but they're still lined up. Right. And then in about 4 or 5K, who do I see on my left is Marion Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> who came second place last year by herself cheering us on. And I stopped and chatted with her. And I said, Mary, you got to give me some advice. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> she started laughing. And all she said, she says, Norm, one foot in front of the other. <laughs> and I'll see you when you get back. <laughs> Good advice. Good advice. Yeah. And then people were handing out beer. Wow. Yeah, of course, of course I drank some beer. <laughs> this is my last <laughs> shot. So I'm drinking beer along the... Along the road, and yeah, we haven't even started climbing yet. This is strictly road. So the first 9, 10K, road. Road. Road or flat trail. Wow. Yeah, and I was chatted with some fellow Canucks along the way, which I didn't see at all until race day. And all of a sudden, I'm surrounded by Canadians. There weren't that many of us, really. Yeah. Well, there really wasn't. We're all in the back. Yeah. We're all in the back, yeah. So when did it start to conga line? Yeah, so then when we started climbing... Well, that's the funny thing. When we started, everyone was chatting and everyone was excited and everyone's talking like, wow, we can't believe we're here. Right. But as soon as we started climbing mm -hmm. and the poles were coming out, mm -hmm. silence. Really? No one said a word. That's weird. Yeah. Because now we're in, in battle. Right. And don't even say a word. Really? Because it loses their concentration. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Don't say a word. That is what surprised me. It was strictly business. Wow. From from the beginning of that first climb to the very last descent. No one's talking. No one talked on any climb. And you tried? Hey, how's it going? Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I didn't even try. Because I'm, I'm also... You're conserving energy, I'm, I'm I guess. I'm just... I don't know. It was just... That was very surprising. Mm. And that is something that, I don't know, I've never heard anything about you, Timmy, about that, but no one talked. Hmm. Yeah, very interesting. Well, there's a few language barriers too, right? Well, for the most part, everyone speaks English. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. When did it start getting dark? Uh, I was coming up, still climbing, and the sun was setting. The first climb. The very first climb. The sun was setting behind me, and I stopped to take a picture and it was gorgeous. Mm. And it was a full moon. Wow. Which it was amazing to see. Yeah, I bet. And the sun was setting behind the mountain, behind me. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. And then coming down the first climb, we're all running down. And <laughs> that was funny because 
when we finished the first downhill, which takes a while because sure. the, the climb up is two, three hours. Yeah. And, and the run down is an hour and a half straight down. Unbelievable. Uh, I see runners on the side doing their uh, downward dog. <laughs> yeah. Yoga poses, child pose, pigeon toe, you name it. <laughs> pigeon toe? <laughs> is, that, is that a yoga move? No. <laughs> Who has time for yoga? You just started this They're, race. Oh, they, did, they realize that they're stretching. They're stretching now. Oh, boy. They, they, they realize, holy shit, this is real. And the first climb's nothing. If you look at the little bump on the map. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, that is an indication of what's to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're already in trouble, stiffening up. Wow. Yeah, that was funny. Okay. But then when I was running through these small towns like Saint-Gervais or Les Contamines, or I forget the names of it. The whole town welcomes you. Really? Yeah, like you're way past Chamonix now. You're over the first mountain. You're yeah. in the next town. Yeah. They're waiting for you. Wow. They're waiting for you. And beer, pizza, along the wow. streets. Like, go, go, go. And they're shouting your name. You're not even in the aid station yet. Really? And you, you can have a full meal. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I know. It was really great to see that, that, that these European towns, they know how to do it. Oh, sure they do. Yeah. And then when I arrived at the aid station, I wasn't there long, but I got whatever they had. And then I heard an announcement. This aid station closes in 20 minutes. You got 20 minutes to get out of here. I think that's Le, Cont- Le Contamine. Right. Is the cutoff, the first cutoff. Right. It was a, I know it was a harsh cutoff because we were tracking you in the app mm-hmm. and it seemed, and I think that they do that intentionally, that if you don't get there in this amount of time, fresh, there's no way you're going to... Get the next mountain, which is the hardest. Right. And exactly. I understand that, but I was shocked. I didn't realize that I'm okay. Like, wow, 20 minutes, that was... But how many people do you think got cut at that age stage? I don't know. Because there was a lot of people still climbing. Exactly. While I was done. Fin- oh yeah, I know. I can't imagine being in the first cutoff. I can't imagine either. But anyways, it made me be more aware of the cutoff times now at right. East A Station. Because that was strict... And it only gets stricter, mm-hmm. as far as I know, because you're getting tired. Right. Now, when you're up there, did you hit any snow? Because they got snow earlier in that week. Well, the second climb is where I was very cold now, and it's about midnight or one in the morning. Mm. And yes, that's when I started running through snow. Hmm. And then I had to take out my windbreaker because it was getting chilly, mm. like really cold. Yeah. But it was interesting on that one because that was the toughest climb, and most dangerous but they even had volunteers up there helping you get through this section i can't believe they were up there yeah because you had to hold on to ropes to get over these boulders oh there was f- really fast water coming down the mountain because it's melting whoa and <laughs> there was a situation where this one guy he was in the fetal position <laughs> he was in the fetal position i passed them and the volunteers were trying to get him to move really said, you got to keep going you got to keep going he was like Aah. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I know. I would I just pass him going, geez, man, this is the the worst place yeah, to, to be stop. To to think that you're gonna wait this out. Right. You're not waiting. No, you gotta no, move. No, no, you gotta Oh, oh I know. And I was up there for a while. That was a, because I descended and then I think I climbed the third mountain and it was still dark. So mm. the whole that whole night section. Oof. Yeah. It was, I, and I'm thinking back at the leaders. They do all this in the day. 
Right. They're they're past the second mountain. Already, it's still light. Yeah. So they're beyond crazy. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. So then. It's too bad how much you miss in the dark, too. Yes, that's a good point because it was a full moon. And luckily for that, you can see the outline mm. of Mont Blanc. You know, mm. you know it's there. Oh my God. You know it's there. It looks kind of eerie because <laughs> you're, you're in this valley and you yeah. see it. What about when you're on the down and you look up to see the people climbing? Oh, yeah, the headlamps. It's so oh, high. It's... And you think back going, I hate to be that guy way down there. Because mm-hmm. even though I look up and I'm, there's a guy way up there, mm-hmm. but I would hate to be the guy way back. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I hate to be the guy behind me. Perspective. perspective. <laughs> it's all perspective. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, but then when the, okay, so therefore during the night, mm-hmm. while I'm now doing this night, what were you doing? Well, okay. So this was a very weird experience because- Normally, when you do races like this, I'm out meeting you at an aid station or I'm sitting on the app uh, checking to see where you are every 20 minutes. I took a sleeping pill. (laughs) (laughs) I was sleeping like a baby. Yep. I think I woke up at 3.30 and looked at the app and went, okay, he's doing all right. Went back to sleep. So (laughs) this is a very abnormal pacer no not pacer crew crew experience i bought the damn sweatshirt so the support crew part came in 15 years in the making but on race day not so much but thank you for that i have you to thank because i know that there were people that went and lined up for those buses to get to their runner. To get to the runner, to see them for two minutes, and then took buses. Like, it's, it's hard to understand unle- until you're there that it literally takes... Hours. Hours to go 10K on yes. a bus. Yes, Because you have to go around mountains and then change buses and then around another mountain. Yeah. It, it's not A to B. No. And you're, cha- you're going to different countries. Right. And you're going with 10,000 other family members. So, Yeah, I, I said, when we discussed it, because you wanted to do this, I said, no, you're not. You're going to just stay in Chamonix and just, I'm fine. I'm not yeah. going to ever be alone, no. ever be no. alone. That's true. Right. So that was the decision we made. Yes. So when, back to the race, now that, you're, now, now that I know that you were slept the first night, <laughs> as I was climbing, coming in the morning, coming 7 o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. I was in this valley climbing i was going right into a cloud which is too bad because had the sun would have been out during that time over Mm. that peak the valley would have just lit up yeah and it was very very windy and cold but you just keep going it was a long long climb but it was nice to see these little pop-up tents up there and you go okay i know that that's when they're going to check me in Right. So knowing that you'll know that I'm still alive. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> because our plan of you texting or sending photos every few hours yeah, kind of went yeah. the wayside. Just the... And we watched YouTube pretty much nonstop the whole time, <laughs> but all they show are the leaders, so... Yeah, well... <laughs> but anyways, as I got over that little hump, the sun did start to come up, and the section going down into... 
over the third mountain was very rocky and bold and boulders. And I've seen people trying to run it. Mm. They're falling. Really? Yeah. And they're falling and they're hurting themselves because there's nowhere soft to land. This is right. a very, and each rock is a loose rock. Oh, Bold, big, like they're, you could sprain an ankle easy. So I took it easy. I said, listen, I cannot afford to get injured. No. So I pretty much hiked all that section and all the way down until uh, I got off that third mountain. Yeah. Which would, would have been Cormier. Uh, I think, no, I think the fourth climb was going up over one more then into Cormier. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I, w- but I was also thinking that how the pros can run this section. Oh my God. It doesn't even... It's it, unbelievable. It's because, unbelievable. Because even on a fresh legs, yeah. I'm not running that. No. And, oh, and I've never even really trained to run that. No. It's, it's like a slick rock. Yeah. It's absolutely unbelievable how they run yeah. the majority of this course. Mm. So after the fourth climb, I finally saw a sign to Cormayeur and it said four hours this way. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, great. You I'm know a, Cormayeur. Yeah. So I, I was absolutely stunning views. I think the entire Mont Blanc is Cormayeur. The whole section around Cormayeur with the trails and the beauty and everything else. Right. It's just runnable trails, which is great. And flowing river and just break, breathtaking views. Yeah. Yeah. So when I finally reached Cormayeur, I was uh, in familiar territory, really. Because that's where we started that's our That's where hike. we started our run the Alps. So I knew where I was and I knew the town well. And it was lunchtime? Yeah. I arrived at uh, 12, 12.30. So how are you feeling at this point in terms of tiredness? Well, uh, I was tired, but I was regenerated because I hit Cormier, which is yeah interesting. Even though it's sort of halfway, I didn't really go by kilometers to say, oh, I'm halfway. I went by time, mm. knowing that I knew absolute I'm going to be in the 40-hour range. Right. No question. Mm-hmm. So when I reached... Oh, 10 hours is gone on my watch. That means I'm a quarter done. 20 hours is gone. Oh, that means I'm halfway done. Right. I never thought about kilometers. Probably I thought about a good time. Way to do it. Yeah. yeah. So when I reached Cormayeur, that's when I changed everything. Shoes, socks, shirt, you name it. How good did that feel? Oh, it felt good. Yeah. Yeah, just because I was a mess. I was <laughs> dirty and <laughs> the sock that I started with, uh, just pe- it was stuck to my foot. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> well, your feet got wet a lot in that first yeah, part, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. My shoes were really erect as well f- and everything else. Hmm. So, right. yeah, I knew that um, that section from Cormier to Champé-Lac was, when you pass into Switzerland, was all runnable stuff. Right. And along the way, I remember I was actually f- falling asleep there while running. Ooh. Yeah, and... It was a gorgeous day. You see the mountain. And yeah, I said to myself, I'm just going to take five minutes here mm-hmm. because this is kind of dangerous. I yeah. can kind of fall off this mountain here. So I sat down, which I rarely do in a race, but I got to take care of myself. And, and I closed my eyes. I just said to myself, just five minutes. In a matter of seven seconds, I was out. Wow. And then I woke up <laughs> to cows and their bells. I went, holy shit, how much time went by? Five minutes. Perfect. <laughs> so I got up and I continued on my way. It's amazing how five minutes can make a difference. Yeah, I was a little bit, felt a little bit better there. But how many times did you see people lying on the side of the trail sleeping? Oh, constantly. Really? Yeah. Sleeping, 
constantly. The same person three, four times. Wow. Pass me, falls asleep. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's very interesting how their strategy is. But uh, like I said, it's the most scenic section from Comayer to Champé-Lac. And this is where I started that climb to that restaurant. What was it called? Where we stopped to have our... The first one or the second one? Because there were two refugios that we saw. The first one. where you Bertoni. Yeah. Bertoni. Yeah, that's where I stopped and also took in the views. Because that oh, was yeah. that was the climb when we knew we're going into Switzerland. That's right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to have a beer there, but <laughs> the, the lineup there was crazy. So I just basically kept going. Oh, by the way, how many hikers did you run into in this? Not too many. Really? I think they know. Hikers know. The week of UTMB. Do not hike during this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> they must know. Yeah. Because we saw so many. The week we hiked. Right. And a lot of them knew about the race. So yep. they they must warn them. Because I can't imagine. Every five seconds it'd be on your left, on your left, on your left. Yeah. Yeah. But that would kind of upset a hiker. But. Yeah. No, I didn't see many. Maybe uh, 10. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But we knew that when the race was over, that's when a lot of hikers started. Yes. Is when the race is over. Yeah. Yes. So when. When I got to the top of that mountain where you cross over into Switzerland, Mm -hmm. that was a hard cutoff. Mm. You had to get over that mountain in four hours. Wow. When leaving that last aid station. Oh. To get to the next aid station. Yeah. And so therefore, I really went as hard as I could to get over that mountain while it was still light. That would be Grand Colferet. And I think that's one of the highest points of the entire race. Mm. So therefore, yeah. when I started, remember the time we, you took off on me and started running down the hill? Mm-hmm. That's when I, it was great to run that section oh, again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I bet that felt good. And then uh, straight into La Folie, right? Which was the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then right into Champé-Lac, which is where we had our lunch and you met. Uh, one of the organizers of UTMB, Lyon. Lyon. And then that's also known as Little Canada. I was hoping to buy an ice cream Huh. there at that time because at the same place where we had our lunch yeah because someone bought me an ice cream during our mozart run yeah so i was hoping to make it tradition but i got there at one o'clock in the morning oh everything's closed everything's closed yeah. and it was cold but that's when i f- first started to hallucinate Ha-ha. and that's when it's funny on this podcast we always ask about when people do tour de jean or something long or the 200 milers they hallucinate i'm going I don't know if I would ever hallucinate. Well, it happened. You've hallucinated before. On a, on a race? The alien thing. No, that was real. Oh. I asked, yeah, I asked my pacer if he could see the same thing I am. And he says, yeah, it's an alien. It's okay, then I can't be hallucinating. Oh, right. <laughs> so this was your first hallucination? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I was going into Champé-Lac, like I'm going towards the town. It was about one o'clock in the morning. And my eyes were barely open. And all I could see was a little boy way in the distance with two lights as if he's bringing in a plane. You know those guys on the ramp? <laughs> yeah. And he, say, and he wasn't saying anything. He was just motioning the lights to follow him. Mm-hmm. So I'd get to the point where he is to turn the corner because I'm going through the town. Mm-hmm. And he's way ahead of me again doing the same thing. Like I keep following him. And I also had to go over a bridge. Whoa. He's wherever... 
wherever I think I'm going to reach him, he's way ahead of me, which is impossible. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh my God. It was like, I just trusted this little boy <laughs> and his two lights to just go where he Guide is. you. Guide me. Mm. And, I, and it got me right into the aid station. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. And then Champelac is obviously a nice little town. And then Champelac to Trion, which we did not do. Which we did not do because of the impending weather. And it was the right call because it was a very difficult section. You would have been very <laughs> upset. <laughs> a lot yeah. of hard uh, roots, rocks. Oof. Yeah. No thanks. And I was really getting tired there too. So I couldn't wait to warm up when the sun would come up again. So I definitely needed energy. And I'm sure you were looking forward to the homemade pies in Trion that were being advertised when we went through. Please make pies for the runners. Yeah, we saw signs that that p- homemade pies would have been available in this A station. Mm-hmm. And guess what? What? No pie <laughs> was there. Yeah, because Jim Walmsley ate them all. I was so upset. No <laughs> pies. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, that was that's uh, Triomphe is where the pink church is, yes. which is you see on the YouTube videos. The pink church, that is Triomphe. And then Triomphe to Les Cep, is it? Yeah, it's known to be uh, the steepest 3K of the entire course. It's absolute straight up, straight up. Oh, my God. And I started climbing that on the second morning. Okay. That's the uh, Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then uh, 7K on the backside is very runnable. And then that's where you get to see other mountain peaks and ranges. Mm. Not Mont Blanc, but other mountains. Further away? Yeah. Oh. That was nice to see that. So now, uh, where am I? I'm coming in. That was a whole 10K section, which took me about four hours to complete that 10K section. Four, four hours. hours? Yes, four hours. Now, let's keep that in mind. Because when I got into Val Serene, Val Serene, I looked at the cutoff, and the next aid station from Val was La Flagère. 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 It was also four hours to complete. So I thought, okay, so I'm thinking, all right, another 10K to go. I asked the volunteer, how many K to get to La Fargir? She said, 18 K. I almost had a heart attack <laughs> because I just did 10 K in four hours. How am I going to do 18 in four hours? Right. She, she said to me, oh, don't worry. You just go 2 K straight up. You run along the top and you're there. <laughs> that... <laughs> Oh, my gosh. How were the aid stations? Uh, I felt them to be okay. Yeah. I know there were some people complaining about it, mm-hmm. but... Uh, was there enough hot stuff? Yeah, I've always had what I needed. If I needed a full plate of pasta, there was there. If the soup was there. All okay. the, Yeah, I was fine. Yeah. Quite honestly, aid stations, you really shouldn't need much. You should just take what, take what you need to get you to the next... But I know that some people are sitting down and having a full meal. Mm. But uh, for me, I, I can't run that way. No. And I've always had enough stuff on me that I really didn't need to stop. I just right. don't like the taste of gels. Not for that many hours. Right. I knew that if, if an aid station did not have what I needed or I didn't like anything there, mm-hmm. I'm not going to starve. I, I was still fine. So, I, I don't know. The A stations were fine. But you kept pretty up on your nutrition yeah. hydration, right? Yeah, that's that was good. pretty good. Yeah. So, that's what I did. I 
basically ran that 18K <laughs> in four hours <laughs> because I was running scared. Yeah. And you had to get to that last aid station by 2.45. Now, along the top was these conga lines in the daytime. Like, we're, we're all running scared now, but they were going so slow. I'm thinking, come on, people, let's go. Let's get this thing done. And yeah. it was hard to pass because it was single track roots and rocks again. Mm. We're, all just, we're all just trying to not twist our ankle. But once you get past a conga line, you, you kind of run into another conga line and then you try to get past that when you run mm. into another one. So mm. it, was, it was getting frustrating. And then also, I had to get to this aid station by 2.45 or it's game over. <laughs> and also, you think that's on your mind. Like, I don't know, like, come on, people, let's move. Let's go. Anyway, running scared does that to you. I had four hours to get to that last aid station and I'd just be devastated to be cut off oh. with the eighth, the final aid station before you go down to Chamonix. I can't imagine. And yet, I'm sure it happened because... Oh, I, for sure it did. I barely made it and there's still a lot of people behind me. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't imagine. Well, but, when I checked the app, it, you know, it was great to see in the morning that where you were and that you had this much amount of time and looking at the profile... Like okay, well he's come this far. He's gonna, he's gonna get it done. So when you woke up this morning, where did you see where I was? Oh, I don't remember where you were, but were you thinking, wow, we're still moving? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, honestly, I, I never doubted you to get this done, but I doubted your body. I knew mentally that you were tough enough to do this, and you're good with sleep deprivation, and you're good with elevation. But I knew that your body was the factor that was the unknown. And anything could happen. Like, forget your hips. Yeah, yeah. Anything else could have happened, right? Yeah. Take you out. Yeah. Anyway, well, when I finally reached that aid station, uh, I just couldn't believe it that I, I, I got there. And because you come out of the forest section and then you climb, still climbing, I kept asking the guys along the way, when do we start going down? He says, no, you still got to keep climbing two more K. And you could see Chamonix when you were out in the, on the ridge? Well, I, yeah, I knew, I knew where I needed to go, <laughs> but I had to go keep climbing, which is just oh, plays with your mind. Yeah. You want to go down, start going down, but no, you got to keep climbing. So I finally reached that final aid station. Uh, I didn't stay there long. I was gone because I wanted to just get down and get this thing done with. Yeah. And then the downhill which is a 6k straight down but it's switchbacks right again i couldn't i couldn't run it i would love to have run it but i was just had nothing left in me to do so well the funny thing was is the day before we wanted to see jim and courtney finish so when we Our saw friends <laughs> when we saw that they got to that la flagere and we knew it was 6k basically yeah we're like Oh, okay. So they're going to be here in half an hour. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we had to adjust the time when we knew you got there. <laughs> Although we did go out early because people are finishing. Yes. Right? Yep. And we picked our spot We were where we were going to meet you. Yeah. And I just... Well, when I finally got to the makeshift bridge that crosses the road... Oh, my God. Oh, I could smell the barn door. How was climbing those stairs? I though? was I was wobbly. Yeah, I was wobbly. I was I was hitting the sides. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah. 
And then you get to that river section where you're running along the river. And all the people are out. Yeah, they're they're cheering you on. And I I just couldn't run. I had, It was a run-walk. I, I had nothing left. Nothing no. left. And then when I finally saw you with the Canadian flag, <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. And then you gave it to me, and I had to put it over my head. <laughs> it You wouldn't believe how much it took out of me to do that. And then to run from where you were, which is only what, around the corner? Yeah, it was very, very... And you asked me, you said, why are we running? Like, where's the finish line? <laughs> Sidori, it's coming. As I, <laughs> you didn't want to run. I knew you I wanted couldn't, to walk. I could not run. I could not run. Yeah. So when I finally crossed the finish line, the first thing I said to you was, where's my medal? <laughs> medal. <laughs> no, you... You don't get a stinking medal. Uh, no, there's no medals here. There's no... Uh, Nothing waiting for you. You basically cross and you move along. You get a beer and you got a fleece vest, which is yeah, nice. Yeah, a finisher's fleece vest, yeah. yes. Which not everybody gets. You can't, They don't no, give it out if no, you do not finish. No, no, no. So I, I will wear that fleece vest proudly. Until it falls apart. Yeah. yeah. But uh, what's, the, what's the takeaways from this thing? <laughs> well, lifelong dream. Yeah. Well, would I do it again, you ask? Yeah, would you? Hell to the no. Okay, good. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> uh, would you recommend it? Yes, of course. I recommend it. It's uh, I th- Honestly, I recommend doing it because the idea of running around this mountain is appealing. Now, for us mere mortals, mm, you are not going to be running it. No. You have to be a very efficient hiker, which I am not. That's right. So therefore, you can get it done. When I first heard that a thousand people did not finish, I I, I can't imagine because it takes you so long to get there. Mm -hmm. And the only way for me to not finish was that they had to rip the bib out of my cold, dead hands. (laughs) That is the only way. (laughs) And I was running scared sometimes because I just couldn't imagine. I would be so devastated. Yeah. Nevertheless, anyone who wants to do this, you got to start early because it's it's very expensive. You got to open up a specific Chamonix UTMB bank account. Oh yeah. Because it's not just that. It's no. it's all the races to get there. Mhm. That is part of this journey. Right. And we did say after the fact that regrets no, but it made us make a conscious decision that we do want to do smaller events because smaller events offer a, a different experience, but they're more grassroots. They're more yeah. personal, you, personable, personal. They're more... This is just was the Olympics, and, and we knew that going in. We yeah. knew that it was going to be big, big, big. Yes. So... Don't give up for anybody who wants to do it. If you really want to do it, then do it. Absolutely. Uh, I do recommend hiking at first oh, to yeah. know what's, what yeah. is involved. Yeah. Um, but don't expect bling from mm. this race. No. You expect the experience. Yeah. You're paying for aid stations. You're paying for... Live TV coverage. <laughs> towns. You're paying for people to get you... Will give you what you need to get this thing done. Yeah. 
and take the entire 46 hours <laughs> if you have to. <laughs> but, well, some people finished it in the middle of the night, 30 hours. Nobody's there. Nobody's there to cheer them like, up. Wow, that felt bad for them. Yeah. <laughs> they finished in 30 hours. It was great, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you had the crowds. Yeah, you had the crowds. Yeah. Yeah. And we met some of our uh, podcast guests, which was cool. Yeah. In person. We met uh, Prissy Forgy, who was on a training run. We met Dawson at the airport. Dawson Mossman. At the airport. We met Yanish in line to get our Adidas shoes. <laughs> yeah. Yanish Kowalczyk. Kowalczyk, yeah. And, of course, Marion Hogan several times <laughs> in Triant, of all places. Yeah. And then uh, running down the road to start this thing. <laughs> well, everyone was there. It seemed like yeah. if you went out, if you were on Instagram that week, your feed was filled with UTMB posts. <laughs> Glad for once I didn't have any FOMO. It was in the middle of the action. Well, there you go. That is my UTMB recap. All right, Norm. So what's next? I get to choose. Yeah, you get to choose the next race, and uh, I'm gonna make it a doozy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and actually, if anybody has any stage race ideas for me send them to goddarnracing at gmail.com or hit us up on socials because that's my new thing stage racing yes me too probably <laughs> <laughs> although I want to give sky running a chance mm. alright until next time we are your hosts Jody and Norman if you've enjoyed the show please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast or wherever you're listening Please visit our website, gotterunracing.com, for more details and join us on social media at Racing on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can support our channel by joining us on Patreon. All of the links can be found in the show notes. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Cheers.